Okay, let's take our Bibles this morning. Please uh, turn back, uh, return, please, to Romans uh, chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. I want to continue this morning uh, here in this chapter. Now, uh, just remind you, uh, Brother Ray, Paul has been dealing with the, might say, possibility, but I think the probability, almost certainly a problem that the church was definitely experiencing, the church in Rome. Some difficulties with unity in the church, difficulties related to a variety of things, but including the fact that people had come in from different backgrounds. We talked about this last week and the week before and a little bit the week before that. Uh, people coming from different places, different backgrounds who were struggling uh, to be uh, united, to walk with the unity uh, that the Lord desired them to have in that church. Paul's been dealing with that, and we've uh, taken care to uh, slowly and carefully look at these things that we might apply uh, the same principles uh, here in our church. Brother, that's why God's given these passages and uh, preserve them for us. They're, they're for us. They're, they're things that our own church uh, needs uh, to see and receive and apply with God's help uh, so that we can have the kind of unity here in our church that God desires. We, we, we know that. We've seen these things uh, here in recent weeks. Now, um, they probably, Brother Gary, probably perceived that, that Paul had been kind of beaten up on them. He was pretty direct uh, I think, about the challenge there in, in their church, these sort of camps along ethnic divisions, if you will, uh, and a spiritual problem it was for the church. And uh, people, I think the Holy Spirit probably said, Paul, you, you need to kind of uh, take a step back now and, and encourage these people. You've, you, you've delivered the, the rebuke and the instruction about what to do with the problem there, how to, how to deal with the problem, but now I need you to uh, encourage uh, that church. We'll stop, take a breath, and ask you a question. Are you glad? Uh, are you glad when you find encouragement in Scripture? Are you glad for that? Are you thankful for that? I, I am too. Listen, I need to be instructed from Scripture just like anyone else. But, Mike, I'm, I'm glad when I can look to Scripture and find encouragement also. Sometimes I need to be corrected. Well, a lot of times I need to be corrected, but other times I just need to be encouraged. Uh, most of the time we need a little bit of each, right? And so I, I could just see here this morning the Holy Spirit kind of changing things a, a little bit, saying, okay, Paul, let, let, let's encourage that church in Rome. And, and remember, we're, we're going to inscripturate this. This is uh, scripture that, Paul, you're gonna, I'm going to use you to get this down uh, on paper. And we're going to preserve these words for churches down through history, including Long Hill Baptist Church in Trumbull, uh, Connecticut in 2023. Would you stand together with me, please? I want to read uh, just a little bit here this morning, beginning uh, Romans 15 uh, in um, verse, verse 15. Romans uh, 15, let's, let's pick it up in verse 14. Verse 14. Uh, here the Bible says... Um, Paul writing, he says, And I myself also am persuaded of you or confident in you, brethren, is the idea. Uh, I, I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God. 
that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have, therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that uh, from Jerusalem and round unto Elycrium I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he uh, was not spoken of, they shall see, and they, and they that have not heard shall understand. We'll stop there this morning. The title of the message, Paul's Confidence. Paul's Confidence. Uh, he says, I, I myself also am persuaded of you or confident in you. Uh, let's pray, please. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning uh, for the, uh, the, the rebuke, the instruction, the correction that Paul delivered to the church at Rome and to us. Uh, we need it as well. But, Lord, thank you for the encouragement uh, here this morning, the, the confidence that Paul had uh, in the church there at Rome uh, and the confidence that he found, Lord, to write these things that you had him to direct to that church uh, as well as to our church. Lord, he had confidence um, that was needful. And Father, I pray we could understand that confidence today and find the same uh, kind of consequence, uh, confidence, confidence uh, in our own ministry. Lord, importantly this morning, I pray you help us not be confident in ourselves, but rather in you. Lord, help us to see the nature of Paul's confidence this morning. Father, I love you. I pray you work here now. Help me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, you ever struggle with confidence? You ever struggle to find the confidence that you need uh, to do what you have to do or to do what... Um, you feel the Lord would have you to do. Uh, sometimes, probably a lot of the times, we struggle uh, uh, to have the kind of confidence uh, that the Lord would have us to accomplish the things that, that he has uh, for us to accomplish. Paul's looking at the church there in Rome and uh, no doubt very concerned, very concerned about things that were um, harming uh, or compromising the unity there. Remember back in, in chapters 13 and 14 and earlier in 15, uh, there, there were different things, people uh, being hypercritical, less mature believers, and little differences that were compromising the unity uh, in different backgrounds, Jews versus Gentiles, all, all sorts of things uh, that were um, at least potentially compromising the unity of the church and, and therefore the usability of that church by the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, Paul, Paul, as he's getting these words down, he might have lacked confidence that something would actually be accomplished uh, there in, in the church at Rome. Well, the answer to that is the source of his confidence. And I want you to see this morning two things. I'll, I'll tell you what they are, and, and then we'll see them. Uh, two things. First of all, see that, that Paul was confident 
uh, in the church of Rome. They take up these things and apply them because he was confident that God was at work uh, in the church at Rome. I want to ask you a question before we continue. Uh, do you have confidence this morning that God is at work in our lives and in our church? Do you have confidence in that? Lord, help us to have that consequence. That as we yield to you and try to conform our hearts and our lives and our practices and our ministries uh, to your word for your honor and your glory, that you're at work in our church, that you are the one that's guiding us and directing us, and you are the one who's enabling us. And uh, Lord, our confidence not in ourselves, but in you. If we'll look to the Lord for confidence to be at work rather than relying on you, know, we could find uh, confidence to. Uh, carry on and accomplish the things the Lord has for us. Paul was confident that the church at Rome could take these things up and be unified uh, and glory God in their unity and, and accomplish the things that God had for them because he was confident that God was at work in that church. We'll see that. Uh, but he was also confident as he wrote, as he wrote to rebuke them uh, and to instruct them, to teach them, uh, and now to encourage them, he was also confident that as he wrote, the same God that was at work in that church was at work in him uh, and in his ministry. Brother, he wasn't writing his own words. He wasn't just sitting back thinking, I wonder what that church needs, and uh, let, me, let me write them. I got a few minutes. Let me write them a letter and share some thoughts. It wasn't like that at all, right? It was the Holy Spirit of God moving this man of God to write these specific words to that specific church because they needed it at that time and God knew that churches like ours would need it in this time. It was very much a supernatural thing and so Paul didn't have to wonder, oh I wonder if I'm writing what I should be writing and oh I wonder if that church there or church is down the road uh, if, if, if this will have any impact or effect or God can, no, he was confident that God was working through him uh, in his ministry and he was confident that God would work in that church as they received the words of God with hearts to take them up and, and to have God work through his words uh, to help that church Isn't that, don't we have the same confidence? God, we minister in your strength according to your words. And as we take up your words each week, we look to you, Lord, to work through them uh, whatever you desire to, to accomplish through your words. And, and of course, God, we've, we've learned that our confidence is in, in you and what you desire uh, more than in ourselves and in, in what we, this is the confidence uh, that Paul had. Number one this morning, please see, Paul was confident in the Romans because he was confident the Lord was at work in that church. That's a long, you can abbreviate that if, if you want to, but, but please do take some notes. Get this down this morning, please. Uh, Paul's confidence in the church at Rome uh, was a confidence that his God, the Lord, would be at work in the church of Rome as they received God's words. Uh, Paul was confident, he was persuaded, uh, he was confident. Uh, look, look at verse 14. He says, I, and I myself, I, I also am persuaded. Uh, the same word that's translated persuaded here uh, back in chapter 2 and verse 19 is translated confident. Uh, we're not, we never question the, the translation. It's just it's good to know that. Uh, Greek words and Hebrew words can be translated different ways. Um, but uh, the same word that's translated persuaded is, is earlier in the book translated confident. Paul was, he was persuaded. He had a confident persuasion 
from the Lord uh, that as he sent this letter that it would, it would be received uh, and, and people would take it up and God would work through it. But don't you see uh, what, what he says is the, the basis uh, for this confident persuasion that he has not worried. He's not worried about the church there. He's persuaded. He's confident. He says, of you, all of them. Now, the individuals, yes, but the church corporately. I uh, myself also am persuaded of you. And he says these two words. What, what, what are the two words after you? He says, say it with me, please. My brethren. He's confident in them uh, in part because he knew he's writing to save people. Raise your hand if you know that you're a saved person this morning. I, I know for sure I put my faith in Christ and that my sins are forgiven. Uh, heaven is my home. I don't have to worry about hell. I know I've entered into a relationship with God the Father. I know the Holy Spirit. And all of these things, right? Paul, Paul no doubt is thinking about all of the implications of them being brethren, people who are saved. Uh, his confidence, listen, you, you can be confident that God is at work in someone's life if you are confident that they're saved. Amen? You don't have to worry about that. You, know, you look at someone and say, I don't know. Uh, you, you know what I mean, right? But no, you, you can know that if, if someone is saved, if you see evidences, they, they have a testimony of having repent of sin and place their faith in Christ, and you can see any of the biblical evidences for that, the things we see in 1 John, uh, for example, you can be confident that God's at work in that person's life. You don't have to accomplish the things that God is going to accomplish in their life. Yes, God uses us to encourage and admonish uh, one another as needed, but you can be confident as you do that. God is at work uh, in that person's life. Uh, raise your hand if you're thankful this morning that God is at work in your life. Lord, thank you. Right? Lord, thank you. Just That's that practical application right there. Lord, thank you for being at work in my life. Thank you. I don't have to worry about hell. Um, but Lord, I don't, I don't have to worry about anything. In fact, you've commanded me not to worry. You're at work in my life. I don't have to worry. And I won't worry. You're at work in my life. Don't make any sense. So his confidence is based on a number of things. The first thing you see is they're saved people that he's writing to. Uh, and so that's, that's the first allusion to the idea that his confidence is based not, not in them uh, just you know, receiving a letter and reading it like you might get a letter in the mail tomorrow and read it and be influenced by No, Paul's confident that God is at work here in the lives of saved people as they receive uh, the words of God. He's confident that they're saved, they're brethren, uh, and there's implications because they're saved. He says that ye also are full uh, of goodness, that they're, they're filled with goodness. Uh, he's, he's confident that, first of all, uh, he's confident because they're saved, and secondly, because uh, they're full of goodness. Um, uh, who are you filled with, saved person? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are saved, you're indwelt by the Spirit of God. If you're saved and yielded to the Spirit of God, you're filled. You're, you're especially supernaturally enabled uh, by the Spirit of God. If you're saved, you're indwelt. Nothing can change that. If you're saved and yielded to the Spirit of God, you're filled. You're, you're especially enabled by the Spirit of God. I, I rather think that in context, this, this phrase here has the idea that not only are they saved, but Paul knows that there's goodness in them because they're, they're filled with this Holy Spirit 
who is the source uh, of goodness in, in a person's life. They're filled with the Spirit of God. Um, Nehemiah 1 and verse 7 says, The Lord is good. Uh, the Lord, is, is God good? I mean, is he good? Or, I mean, he's really good, right? God is good. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. There's goodness in you because he's good. Uh, are, are we very good apart from him? Not really. I mean, a lost person can do some good things, right? Praise God for that. They can accomplish some good things. But uh, for there to be genuine, pure goodness, biblical goodness uh, in, in someone's life, that's, that's the power of, of the Lord being in our, it's literally God in us. The Lord is good. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see uh, that the Lord is good. You know, you really want to know the power of God and his goodness in, in your life. You're going to have to be saved. You're here this morning and, you, and you're not saved. By the way, you know that because the Holy Spirit shows you that, right? He'll give you no peace. You hear the gospel and, and you're not saved. The Holy Spirit gives you no peace, right? There's that burden, that conviction. He's poking and prodding at you. Hey, you, you, you need to stop messing around and, and get saved, right? Uh, you need to repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit continues to work. Praise God that he does, right? By the way, he may not do that forever. Don't wait. If you're here this morning, you're not sure that you're saved. Say, Lord, I'm not sure that I'm saved. You can say it right now. Not necessarily out loud, but I guess if you want to, go for it. Amen? Lord, I'm not sure I'm saved. I know I'm a sinner. I know Christ of the Bible is the one who you sent to pay the price for me on the cross. Lord, I'm not sure I've repented of my sin and placed my faith in him, but I'm, I'm going to do that right now. You can know the goodness of God in your life. Holy Spirit enters in, and in that moment indwells you and changes you, makes you a new creature in Christ. That's good, amen? You have, you have the Holy Spirit of God and his goodness in you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Yeah, indeed. Uh, have you been blessed since you first trusted Christ to be your Savior? Have you been blessed? Have you known some trials along the way? Yes, you have. Have many of those trials, as you look back, been blessings to you? Yes, they have. God used them to grow you. Paul's confidence is not just, oh, they'll get this letter and they'll, you know, of, of their, own, uh, their own will, their own strength. They'll, they'll take it up. and No, he's confident because they're brethren, they're saved people uh, who, who are filled with goodness uh, and, knowledge, and all knowledge. He says, filled with all knowledge also. Uh, this morning, um, I'm, I'm glad, I, I, I believe I can understand that. Colossians 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, The Lord is the one in whom are hid all the treasures uh, of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, Paul understood that, that he, he's dealing with people who, yes, they have problems, but they're saved. They're people who, uh, where God is at work in their life. Uh, they have the Holy Spirit. They have knowledge of the Lord uh, and, and knowledge uh, of him practically and much of, of what he has said to them through his word uh, uh, over the years in the various uh, books of the Bible that uh, they already had. Uh, Paul was confident that, that as they received this letter, uh, the letter was being received by saved people who had the Holy Spirit, uh, who had knowledge of God, uh, who, had, who had knowledge 
uh, of, of the Lord and, and his will and, and how he works. Uh, Hosea 4, 6 says this, uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Algebra? No, knowledge of God. Knowledge of, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of God. Then um, Hosea says this, as the Holy Spirit moved him. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because, he's writing to people in his day, because thou hast rejected knowledge. He's writing God's message to the people of his day. God says through Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. God says, I will also reject thee. That's pretty harsh. Lord, help us to be people who are delighted to, to receive knowledge of you, uh, about you. Uh, and, and to receive you into our lives, uh, not to reject you. By the way, if, if you hear the gospel and, and don't place your faith in Christ, you're rejecting Christ in that moment. You're rejecting him. Now, thankfully, you can reject him one day and receive him the next day, but don't, don't play games. If, if you've heard the gospel today and, and you don't receive Christ by grace through faith, don't repent of sin in place. You, you, you've rejected him today. That's, that's serious business. If you live another day, you, you may still have an opportunity to receive him, but we don't know, right? We're not promised that. Amen? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Praise God, we have knowledge of God through his words. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm not inclined to re reject knowledge of God. Are, are you reading through your Bible this year? I got a little bit behind in my schedule, Brother Ray, but I'm determined to catch up, amen? And, and I, I'm, I'm, I rejoice as, as I'm reading, and, and, and God is reminding me of things that I've known but maybe have, haven't been thinking about uh, and showing me some things maybe in a way that I haven't considered before. That's exciting, right? That's, that's thrilling. Uh, I don't want to reject that. I want to dig in and, and mine out all that God has for me uh, this year. Paul was confident that those people in that church uh, were saved people. The, the Spirit of God was at work in them, uh, working, working goodness through them, uh, giving them hearts to receive knowledge of God uh, and knowledge of God's will for that church, uh, working in them to accomplish uh, hearts that, that desired to know, not only know the Lord, but to know his will to not just have knowledge of him, but to have knowledge of his will that they would not reject, that they would gladly take up and put into action uh, with God's help. Um, I think I made it clear in the Sunday School Hour this morning, we're studying through Isaiah 51. Um, it, it's very clear at different places in Isaiah, God will say some things, uh, teach some truths, uh, encourage the people, but then there's a verse that makes it very clear. He, he intends for them to, to pause and stop and consider what he shared and put that into action. Take it and, and put it into action. Uh, sometimes we're, we're content to, or at least sometimes we're, uh, we're tempted to just receive God's words. We don't reject them. We receive them, but that's it, right? We, we don't act upon them. God, give me a heart this morning to have knowledge of you, uh, to receive your words, and as I yield to you, Lord, to be led of you, how you would have me to take this and apply it practically 
uh, in my life. Lord, give me a heart for you and your words. Give me a heart to grow knowledge of you, uh, certainly, but not just that it be knowledge, but that it would have the effect that you desire it to have in, in my life and that I would take it up and employ it practically uh, the way you desire me to do that. Um, in Colossians 1 and verse 9, you just listen or you can go there, but make a note at least. Get the reference down. Colossians 1 and verse 9. Paul, uh, Paul prayed. He prayed all the time for these churches, right? He's constantly praying for them and telling them. Colossians 1 9, he, he writes to the church at Colossae. He says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul seems to have a confidence in the church uh, at Rome that, that people had that desire, that they, they desired to be filled with knowledge of, of God and, and knowledge of his will, uh, and, and knowledge of his will and the ability to apply that in a wise way with, with spiritual understanding. Paul was confident they were saved and they had the Spirit of God who would lead them to receive knowledge of his will through his words and that they would actually do that because the Holy Spirit was at work uh, in their hearts prompting them to do that. Brother Ray, I pray that as, I mean, that, that's a pastor's prayer. That's, that's Paul's uh, prayer, Colossians 1.9. Lord, give these people heart to receive your words, uh, to, to be filled with knowledge of your will. Uh, and to apply it wisely uh, with spiritual understanding. Uh, to do it, but to do it wisely uh, according to your will. Paul prayed for church members. Uh, as your pastor, I pray for you. Amen. Amen. I know you pray for me also. By the way, thank you. Thank you for praying for your pastor. Um, don't stop. Please. Please. Pray more for your pastor, please. Please. No doubt Paul had prayed a prayer for the Roman church as he had prayed for the Colossian church. He's just confident that God answers prayer and, and give those people a heart to receive these words and to put them into action practically. Um, but prayer, prayer implies a reliance upon whom? God. He wasn't relying on the people apart from the Lord to take up his words and put them into action. He was relying on God, relying upon God to work in that church. People are not always dependable. People are not always trustworthy. People will often let you down, your pastor included, not by desire, but that's the reality I know. Forgive me, please. Don't put your confidence in me. Make sure your confidence is in the Lord. Pastors are imperfect. God is perfect. Brothers and sisters in Christ are imperfect. God's perfect. Uh, I'm confident in our church and that God is going to accomplish things in our church because I'm confident that as people yield to God, he's accomplishing what he desires to accomplish in and through our church. Lord, help us be yielded to you. And as we do, you accomplish that which you desire uh, to accomplish in, in our church. Now look back at our verse, please. I, myself, verse 14, Romans 15, 14. 
I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren, you're saved, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, comma, able to admonish one another. Um, I, I understand that verse as if it had like a therefore, you are able also to admonish one another. See, Paul was confident that because He's writing to save people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, that, that God's at work there. And Paul was confident that as his words were received by people who were saved and indwelt by the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God would work through his words as he does here in, in our church today. And that people would take up those words and, and do uh, what the Spirit led them to do with them in evidently uh, Paul understood that that would require them to admonish one another, uh, to, to uh, lovingly, gently, graciously, but firmly uh, correct each other where they needed to be uh, corrected. Are we all perfect? Are we all struggling <laughs> to grow? Uh, do you desire to grow in your walk with the Lord this year? Do you desire to grow spiritually this year? If you desire that, you're praying for that, you, you can count on it, but it may not always be easy. No, it'll probably not often be easy. God works through trials, uh, but not only through trials. God also works through brothers and sisters in our lives to admonish us, to call us to greater obedience to the Lord's words. Admonish has the idea of warning. It's translated warning elsewhere. To put into mind, to caution, to reprove, uh, to correct. Paul understood that as this letter was received, uh, people would be convicted. Hey, we're not united the way we should be. We're looking down our notice, noses at less mature people. We're looking down our noses at people that are different than us, that look different than us, that have different backgrounds, whatever it is. Um, Paul understood that there would need to be correction in that um, there would be a place for church members to lovingly, gently admonish each other as God led them to get right with the Lord to align their lives with God's words as they receive them from Paul. Now, um, it, it can be a trial to receive correction from a brother or sister in Christ, amen? <laughs> if you ever received correction from a brother or sister in Christ um, who wasn't the pastor, I hope the answer is yes. Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe no one has ever come to you with a loving, humble, gentle, but firm counsel that, hey, there's, there's something up, there's something wrong what you've done here or what you're doing here or how you handle the problem or concern with that brother or that sister or it's it's just not quite biblical it's not it's not the way god has intended it to be and so you know i just want to encourage you to see that and um let's let's look here and say uh, let's see how god would have us to handle that situation are we called to to do that for each other brother i almost said to each other are we called to do that to each other? No, well, sometimes it feels like a spiritual punch, right? But, it, but that's not our heart, right? Our heart is to obey the Lord and be 
willing to gently, lovingly, graciously offer a biblical admonition, a biblical correction to a brother or sister in Christ. Um, should our heart be to receive that correction when it's offered, as long as it's biblical? Church? Yeah. Should our heart be to give that as the Lord leads and to be sure that it's loving and gracious and biblical? Yeah. If we're not doing that, we're not being obedient. If we're not receiving it, we're not being obedient. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Paul Paul has a wonderful confidence that he's dealing with saved people who have the Spirit of God, uh, who are filled with knowledge of God and, and, and God's will and, and more knowledge of God's will as they receive this epistle, uh, Romans, uh, and that they are able, because they're saved people who have the Holy Spirit and who have knowledge of God, uh, and now greater knowledge of God's will for their church because they're receiving the book of Romans. Paul's just confident that they're, they're being equipped to do what God would have them to do so that their church can be uh, conformed to God's will, that there be a greater unity so that they can accomplish what God had for them to accomplish that day, that week, that month, that year uh, when, when they received uh, his words. Brother Ray, that's the source of his confidence. It's God working in the lives of saved people through the words of God as they received them, uh, what they had before, and now this letter that they were uh, about to receive. That, that, that's how God works. He works in the hearts of saved people through his words. I know God can prompt us in our hearts uh, to do say different things, and he does, of course, but he works primarily uh, through his words. Uh, and and, and you know, he works um, through pastors, yes, through teachers, yes, but he's given us all a ministry of admonishing one another according to uh, his words. Galatians 6 and verse 1, just write the reference down. Uh, Paul writes, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore uh, such a man in the spirit of meekness. Uh, humbly, go and approach that person and offer a, a gentle correction. Remembering that, you know, you've struggled with the same thing, no doubt, probably had to be corrected uh, another time. Uh, Proverbs 27 and verse 5 uh, the Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, yeah, it may feel like you're being wounded when someone comes and offers you a rebuke, but, you know, it's, it's, it's for your good. Uh, it, it's for your good. Uh, I'm reminded this morning that um, in Matthew 18, Lord has given us this, this process. We call it the church discipline process, right? And that, that label, I think, sometimes causes us to kind of just leave those verses on the shelf. Oh, this isn't the kind of thing that, that rises to the level of church discipline because, you know, church discipline is about removing people from the church. By the way, that's not what church discipline is about, uh, not, not, not entirely. Church discipline is about being reconciled and, and being united so that people don't have to be removed from the church, right? That's, that, that's what it's about. Um, so what, what, what it's, it's about dealing with offenses as they come so that we can be united. And uh, if there's been an offense, well, that's an occasion for ad admonition and, and rebuke. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if thy brother, brother 
shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Only then, but if thou will not, if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two or more, that amount of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Um, that's something that needs to be practiced regularly. Someone has offended me. I need to go to them and tell them privately. It doesn't make, make a big deal out of it either. Just go and have a conversation. A loving, gentle, humble admonition, rebuke. Work it out. This should be our regular practice, not something that, oh, we have to go to the shelf now and take out the church. No, this should just be, this, this should be how we stay united with each other regularly. Someone uh, someone offends you or you, you overhear something or you, you hear something, you just know that I, I need to go and help that person do that. That's, that's God's plan. It's his will. Paul was confident that uh, as the church members at Rome received his words, words given by God to people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, that they take up those words and, and lovingly, gently admonish each other, rebuke them. Hey, let's, let's take up this, this letter and, and, and let's be united. He was confident that God was at work accomplishing those things as the people there received uh, his words. Lord, give us the same heart. Give us the same confidence. Lord, let us not be discouraged about problems in our church, but look to you uh, to, to work in our church. Lord, help us look to you for confidence that you're at work and confidence to do our part. Someone says or does something offensive. Lord, give us, give us hearts to do our part. Pray. Offer a humble, gentle rebuke. Admonish. Be confident that God can work in that to grow a brother or sister in Christ. By the way, if individual people are growing, a church is also what? Growing. Amen? Lord, grow us numerically, but you can also grow us spiritually. Brother Ray, I think often uh, a season of spiritual growth is preceded by a season of numerical growth. A prayer this, this season is that we're praying, God, grow us. God, grow me. <laughs> I need to grow. God, I understand the, the cutting edge of where I need to grow. That's, that's, that could be uncomfortable. Lord, comfort me. Lord, use people around me to show me where I need to grow and where I need to be rebuked and corrected and encouraged. God, give, give people around me, my, my brothers and sisters, confidence in you to correct me lovingly, gently, humbly. Does this matter? It matters a lot. Paul was confident that God was at work in the church at Rome. That's the basis for his confidence, the, the ultimate foundation. The Lord Jesus Christ was at work in that church. But he was also confident, number two, and, and, and we'll, we'll wrap up here quickly. He was also confident, secondly, that as he was writing to them, the Lord was at work in his own ministry as well. Uh, he wasn't, again, just penning down his words. He was penning down the words of God uh, for the instruction and correction of that church of God at Rome and for all the other churches, including this one, uh, who would receive this letter. L look at verse 15. He says, Nevertheless, brethren, saved people, 
uh, I have written uh, the more boldly. Uh, the, the language underlying our English, the more boldly, and it only appears here. This is the only place in anywhere in Scripture where the underlying language uh, appears. This is a, it's a unique thing. I, I believe it's something the Holy Spirit uses to highlight the importance. It's like a pay special, careful attention. This is unique language. It's not used anywhere else. Uh, pay attention. You see something unique, you think, wow, it has stopping power. If you were reading it in the Greek, it would have stopping power. Uh, in the English phrase doesn't appear elsewhere either, I'm, I'm quite sure. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly. What's the idea? He says, I'm writing to you with great confidence. Uh, I'm not holding back. I'm writing as the Lord has moved me to pen down these words uh, I, I'm writing confidently knowing that these are words from God for people of God in God's assembly uh, from God for you. I'm not, I'm not going to hold back. I'm, I'm confidently ministering to you because I know this is of the Lord. Nevertheless, brethren, I've written the more boldly unto you in some sort and putting you in mind uh, because. Now, <laughs> see here quickly, please. Um, because of the grace that is given to me of or by whom what's the last word in verse 15 god in new testament the word god usually refers to god the father look at verse 16 that i should be the minister of whom jesus christ by the way he's god the son i spoke with a lady this week who one of you spoke to her on the street. Thank you for doing that. She wanted to come and visit. I began to ask her about her faith and her, her faith background, and she began to share some things with me, and it was, it was very clear that she was coming from uh, one of the cults in the area that does not believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son. Now, I'll talk to someone at great length, Brother Art, about that if they're willing to be corrected from the Word of God. I opened my Bible, had a conversation with that, that dear woman uh, on the phone. I said, listen, Jesus Christ is God the Son. He's as much God as God the Father. God, no, no, Pastor Hammond, he's not. Well, ma'am, we have this verse and this verse and this verse and this verse. And this. No, Pastor Hammond, that's, that's just not right. That, that's not right. Um, that grieves me. That grieves me. Jesus Christ is God the Son. Amen? That's who he is. Someone rejects the Christ of the Bible, there's no salvation in that. There's no salvation in that. Uh, Lord, help people to see the Jesus of the Bible. There's all kinds of Jesuses that people have concocted. Uh, Lord, help us to see the Jesus of the Bible. He's God the Son. Paul says, uh, nevertheless, I've written the more boldly because of the grace, the strength that is given to me by God the Father so that I can be a minister of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is God the Son to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of whom God uh, that or so that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, uh, most of us being Gentiles, who've been saved by grace through faith in the Jesus Christ of the Bible, 
uh, and having been saved by him, we are sanctified by whom? The last three words of verse 16 say, the Holy Ghost. There's the whole triune Godhead uh, in, in the end of verse 15 and then in verse 16. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Paul was confident in the church at Rome because he knew that God was at work there. And he was confident in his ministry to them, Brother Ray, because he was confident that the entire triune Godhead, the persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were at work in his ministry. He wasn't writing his words. He was writing the words of God that are forever settled in, in heaven as the Holy Spirit moved him to, to write down those. He was very confident that his ministry was of the Lord and for the Lord and empowered by the Lord and directed by the Lord. It wasn't him at work. Listen, you can have the same confidence in your ministry uh, if, if you've said, God, here I am, Paul very clearly yielded himself to the Lord for whatever God desired, uh, however God desired to use him. You can have the same confidence in your own ministry. You said, God, here I am, take me, use me, and the Lord begins to guide you down a certain path. You can be confident in your ministry because you can say the same thing that Paul's saying. Uh, Paul, Paul, did, Paul had a, uh, a unique ministry in his day, but the way that his ministry was enabled by God is not unique. There's no suggestion at all in Scripture that he was uniquely enabled by the Lord. No, he was chosen by the Holy Spirit to be sent out of a church uh, for a specific purpose. And his testimony is that he understood his, his, his ministry was enabled by the grace or strength of God so that he could accomplish for Christ what Christ desired uh, as the Holy Spirit worked in and through his ministry. You can have the same confidence, amen? Yeah, it's, it's not about me, Brother Art. It's not about you. It's not about, it's not about anybody but God working in our lives through our ministry. Oh, pastor, I don't know if I can be used very much of God. Well, listen, if you're yielded to the Lord and you make yourself available to him uh, and you're doing business with him as you should be, God, here I am, you could be confident that he is going to strengthen you and that he is going to work through you to accomplish whatever it is. Pastor, I could never go out on a Saturday and offer someone uh, a John Romans book. Yes, you can, because the Lord can accomplish that. He can give you confidence to go stand on a corner or, or, or talk to people getting off a bus or getting off a train or waiting for a train or whatever it is, waiting for Uber. You, 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 can, you can confidently find strength in the Lord to at least offer someone uh, a, a John and Romans or a track. Pastor, I could never teach a Sunday school class. I could never lead a ministry. I could never do this. I could never do that. Well, of course you can. If the Holy Spirit has gifted you to do that and God has called you to do that, you have great confidence that no matter what, it's God working in you and through you uh, to accomplish that ministry. Pastor, I could never sing a special. I could never play an instrument. Yes, you can. If God has called you to do that, no doubt he's given you the talent. It may be raw. It may need to be developed. But if God has called you to that and you're yielded to him, you can trust in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to make it possible. Amen? That's a big God, Brother Ray. That's a lot of strength. That's a lot of grace. Imagine how offended God is when we say, I can't do that. 
if you'll say, Lord, I can't do that, but I know that you working in me can accomplish that. He'll not be offended at all. What did Moses say when the Lord said, hey, I've got this job for you? What did he say? Can't do that. Can't speak. God said, don't worry, I got you. I got you. You look at verses like these, isn't God still saying, don't, don't worry, I got you. you? You just say, here I am. Take me, use me, God. He's, he's got you. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Been looking, um, Isaiah 51, the Sunday school hour. By the way, if you've not been coming to Sunday school, please prayerfully consider that. I'm going to beat you up about that, but please prayerfully consider that. It's important. I believe it's very important for our church to be together in Sunday school and the 11 o'clock hour. Come back 6 o'clock Wednesday night. It's important. Please just pray about that. Not beating you up. Please just pray about that. God has been dealing in Isaiah 51 with people of Judah who are in the Babylonian captivity. He says, hey, rescue you from this. I'm, I'm the God who parted the Red Sea, right? I, I'm the God who created all things. Uh, I'm the God who put, we saw this morning, my mouth, my words into the mouths of my prophets. Anybody here have power like that? No. Hard for us to fathom that anyone can, but none of us is God. God has that kind of power. Paul said he understood that God who has that kind of power is at work in, in my ministry, and so I've written the more boldly. I've written with great confidence. This is of God. This is God working in my ministry. I believe everyone here this morning, saved baptized church members, saved baptized church members who yielded to God, can say the same thing. May I say this this morning with all love? And I'm not beating up on anyone. I'm not look. I'm going to look down. I'm not looking at any one person. If you do not have a ministry in which you are regularly serving the Lord, you need to find one, and you need to urgently find a place to serve God. That needs to be a top priority in your life for this season. If you do not have a regular place of ministry where you are serving God, you need to find that's God's plan. You have a spiritual gift. God's given it to you. If, if, let me say this also, please, this morning. If you believe that you're spiritually gifted to serve in a certain area, a certain type of ministry, but you're not doing that, you need to find a way to do that. Talk to me about that, please. Pastor, I don't think I could do that. I don't have time. You need to make time. I can't do it. I don't have the, I don't have the strength. You need to look to God. Pastor can't do it. If you're a member of this church and you don't have a regular opportunity to serve the Lord using the spiritual gift that you know he gave you, we need to fix that. Okay? We, we need to fix that. I want to help you do that. You can't say, I, I can't do that. Because if you're saved, you have God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit available to you. Remember, you're indwelt by all three. I don't think that's biblical, Pastor. I'll show you. That's biblical. You're, in power, you're, you're indwelt by all three. 
And so you can't say, I can't. You can confidently say, Lord, here I am. Help me trust you to serve you this year. Don't wait till the end of the year. I don't know if we're going to make it through this year. Do you know what I mean? Would you be surprised if the rapture was this year? Would you be surprised if it was today? Would, Brother Ray, would you be surprised? No, you shouldn't be. God, I don't know how much time I have to serve you. Help me to make it a priority to serve you for your honor and your glory. Lord, that makes me uncomfortable, but I, I know I can be confident in you. Lord, the pastor is making me uncomfortable this morning, but I know he's right. My dad has a t-shirt that says, of course I'm right, I'm Bob. <laughs> makes me laugh, but... <laughs> He's Bob, too, of course. Isn't it good that when the words of God are preached and taught, you just know they're right? You may not like it. We don't like the conviction sometimes, but isn't it good to just know that even if it's hard, even if it's convicting, that it's true? I, I know these words are true. I know these words are true. Lord, help us. To have this confidence and to confidently serve you. I want you to, um, we're out of time, but I want to, want you to go on a very quick tour with me and then we're done, okay? Would you turn to 1 Corinthians 3? We'll take a very quick tour and then we're done not going to belabor these verses we'll be done are you there someone say hold on hold on pastor don't you hear the pages turning still I hear them in seminary they teach you to wait until you stop hearing pages turning You can wait a long time. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul writes, I have planted. Apollos watered. See the next five words with me, please. Read them with me, please. But God gave the increase. Lord works through us. Lord works through us. You just do what God's called you to do. God works through us. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. You say, but, but, but God, I, I, can't, I can't accomplish anything for you. And Lord might say, you're right, but me working in you can accomplish much. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. Just flip ahead to verse 15, please. 1 Corinthians, verse 10, Paul's writing the church at Corinth. It had a lot of problems, by the way. The church at Corinth had a lot of problems. Paul's writing to correct them. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's God, not me, it's God. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, 
But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul said, I can't accomplish anything for God apart from God working in me and through me. I am nothing. God is everything. All I am is a vessel for, for the Lord. I'm his hands. I, I'm his feet. I've just said, Lord, here I am. Uh, you, you work in me and through me by your grace. Ephesians 3, please. Ephesians 3. Paul, of course, went forth and preached the gospel, and where people were saved, churches were planted. That's the hope in Providence this summer and Bridgeport next summer, that gospel will be delivered to every home in Providence, and there'll be a, a great gospel crusade there, at least a week of preaching of the gospel, and people will be saved, and a church will be planted. That was, that's the biblical model. Preach the gospel where people are saved, churches are planted. Here's Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 3 and verse 7. He says, whereof uh, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. That means from God, given unto me by the effectual working, Paul writes, of my power. That's not what he said, is it? He said of, what is it? Church, his power. Unto me, whom am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given that or so that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Lord, we're, we're not much without you, but when you're at work in us and through us, things can be accomplished. Philippians 3. You turn to Philippians 3, and Colossians 1, verse 29, Paul says that he strived according to the Lord's working, which worketh in him mightily. Amen. Philippians 3, and verse 3, Paul writes, For we are the circumcision, Jewish people, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Read the rest of the verse with me, please. And have no confidence in the flesh. Where was Paul's confidence? In God. You're in Philippians, turn back to chapter 1 and verse 6 and we're done. Sorry, I kept you late this morning. Chapter 1, verse 6. Here's Paul's confidence. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he writes, being confident, of this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, what if I give myself to you to be used in some area of ministry in my church and, and you, you make it possible for me to do it for a time? Uh, how do I know that you're going to keep doing that? How do I know that you're, you're going to always keep me strong for the ministry that you called me to? God, can I count on you to make it possible for me to continue in that ministry for as long as you want me to continue in that ministry? Paul was confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun, begun, begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. That's the day of his return. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. We can see that Paul's confidence in that church was confidence in you. And Lord, Paul's confidence to minister was not confidence in himself. It was confidence in you. Lord, please help us to look to you this morning for
the confidence that we should have that you're at work in this church. Lord, help us to look to you for confidence to serve you the way you've called us to serve you. Lord, every single person who's a saved, baptized member of this church, I know you have a place of service for us. You've showed us that. You've shown us that. Lord, the same confidence is available to every one of us. Lord, help us to say, Lord, I can't, but you can. Lord, help us to understand that we cannot, but you can. Lord, give us confidence not in ourselves, but in you. Lord, every time we're tempted to say, I cannot, give us the heart to say, but Lord, you can. Father, help us to put off excuses for not serving, but to simply look to you. Lord, I'm excited for how you've used this church in the past year. I'm excited for how you've used this church recently. Lord, I'm very excited for how you plan to use this church this year. Father, I believe there's some things that you need to work on. Certainly. We're all still growing. Lord, perhaps one of the most important things that we need to get a hold of in this season is a confidence that is firmly, squarely placed upon you. Not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in you. Lord, give us the faith to yield to you, not fearing anything or anyone but you. Lord, give us the confidence to yield to you, to serve you any way that you desire, trusting, placing our confidence in you and you alone. Lord, I know that as we each do just that we'll be strengthened in our walk with you and our church corporately will be strengthened in what we can accomplish for you we can see people saved we can see people discipled and growing we can see young people saved and discipled and growing and leading others to Christ we can see churches planted Lord, if we've been trusting in ourselves or making excuses, pray that you give us hearts even now to put that off, to confess that, to put it off, and to say, Lord, help me to turn to you and to trust you this morning. I'll give you a moment to pray. Father, thank you so much for your words. I pray my tone this morning has not been perceived as harsh, but loving 
encouraging, confident in you. Lord, I preached too long this morning, but I, I pray that you've used this time for your honor and your glory, for our benefit, that we might be encouraged and confident in you. Lord, help us to be yielded, to be obedient, to be confident, to each take up a place of service that you desire. Lord, thank you so much for people who do serve you faithfully, confidently. Help us each to be sure that we're in that place faithfully and with confidence from you and in you. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come. One verse, please. Will you forgive me for preaching so long this morning? Will you forgive me? Thank you. Zach, you come.